what is your give back? What's your contribution? What's your engagement with the community? It doesn't have to be like transform the world, but maybe it's just to transform your team. Like that's so conscious, right? That's totally cool. Is your current success putting a lot of demands on you? If you're good at what you do, and you are, then everyone wants you. But that's no way to scale. If you're delivering spectacular results, you should be commanding higher fees, working with only the best clients. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast, where world-class agency owners and consultants learn how to fully monetize their expertise and scale profits by doing less. Here's your host, Mandy Ellison. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Mandy Ellison. Today, I have on the show, Nathan Kievman. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Well, thanks for having me, Mandy. Yeah. So the reason why I'm having Nathan on the show is because I was introduced to Nathan from one of our clients who he's done some really exceptional work for in an industry that's very difficult to be successful in this industry. And his approach was very unique. And I'm like, I've got to learn more about what Nathan is doing and how they're being successful. And, you know, we should look at ways to work together because he seems like a pretty smart guy. So I uh, invited him on the podcast. So I have an opportunity to, to, for, I'm going to pick his brain a little bit. So you have an opportunity to listen to Nathan. He works with very successful management consultants in the range of 500K to about $100 million companies, especially in the management consultant. Did I get that right, Nathan? Do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, B2B companies selling higher ticket items, but 90% of our clients are in like the professional services or management consulting space. Yeah. So one of the things that I love about what Nathan is doing is that you have a really interesting way of getting meetings with executives. So why don't you share with me some of the challenges that you're running into actually why is it so difficult to get meetings with those executives that are really your best target market? Sure. So a little backstory on this is I started off in 2008 to 2010, kind of learning the ropes of LinkedIn and becoming one of the world's top LinkedIn trainers and marketers, really, if you would. And I've always had a passion for interacting with and influencing the leaders of leaders. And that's always led me to interacting with executives and helping them influence the world in a more powerful way. But to do that, you have to have conversations with them. And, you know, as a startup consulting firm, right, I needed to find a way to get access. So I started off using the LinkedIn platform. Then I became a full-blown digital agency. And I quickly learned over that time that executives acted very differently. Right. So the world was really hot on this content is king and the marketing world is really going in this particular direction. And, and it still is very, very powerful and very, very important. Don't get me wrong. But executives interacted with it with a really unique way. And so I did a survey of 900 executives and the survey was really intriguing. And I gave them about 10 options and I asked them, where do you spend a majority of your time? And 97 percent of the executives came back with the same first three answers. And I was like, wow, this is really like eye-opening. And those answers were, I'm in a meeting face-to-face, -face, I'm on the phone, or I'm on my email. The top three, across the board, just about every executive. And anytime I talk with an executive, they're like, yep, that's true, right? And then just, it's absolute confirmation. And so the theory was, if I'm not in the space in the face of the place of executives where they hang out and where they're spending their time, what am I really doing? 
That was a really, really intriguing idea. And so I had taken this very complex digital agency that I had built, and I decided to divest everything I did except for my LinkedIn and my email engagement. And at the time, LinkedIn was really powerful, less more so than it is now, because it interacted with the individual's emails, and then the email, you could interact back from your email. You didn't have to like log in. So from an executive standpoint, that was really powerful because you got access without having to have an email, right? That's really cool. But Eventually, over time, that changed. And so evolved forward to today. And what we found is that if articulated right and got getting into the right, the space of the executive and the place that they are hanging out and spending time with the right message in a way that they can engage with a thing called the five psychological triggers, which is something we developed, you can get their attention and get a response. Where most people fail is they just get attention and they don't know how to get a response. And that's what a 99.9% of copywriters teach, just so you know. And so we developed our own copywriting strategy. We developed our own psychological triggers. And these are things that got Elon Musk and Tim Cook to respond to two of our clients in the last 90 days. This is the way that we got one of our clients who we were just talking about, Mandy, over 372 leads in one year, 272 meetings scheduled with CEOs or CFOs of 5,000 plus size companies out of Europe in his case. Like there's just so many examples and stories on the executives across the world act in a similar way to each other, but very different from anyone that's not in the C-suite. So I don't know if that totally answered your question, but that's kind of a little backstory to give you the flavor of what we do. Yeah, absolutely. It does. And again, we didn't mention what your company is called. Your company's Linked Strategies. Is that right? Yep. Linked Strategies. It just originated from our LinkedIn days and we keep wanting to change it, but we're still linking executives. So we just keep can't not being able to change it for whatever reason. Well, it seems like it's being successful for you. So you have gone and from the typical copywriting world, they're just about getting attention, if I'm understanding it right. And you really wanted to get attention and then actually getting them into action, which is what copywriting should be about. But how is your approach different? So I've hired a bunch of traditional copywriters. You look at the long-form copywriters of the internet marketing world that write long tail and it's like a whole web page, right? Or multiple web pages on one page. And then you have the email copywriters that write on market that, that already knows you and trusts you. Those are very different. And all of those copywriters have failed in our system. So we ended up looking in different areas and training them on a philosophy and a psychology. And this is just understanding how executives think. And so like, if you just want to understand the psychology of an executive, executives first and foremost thing that they need to understand is they are looking to, one, they're an executive and they're they're a good decision maker. So we have to understand the premise here, right? That they're okay with making good decisions. They're comfortable making fast decisions or they wouldn't be in their role. And if we know that as the foundation, And then we get their attention, but we don't give them enough information to make a decision. Now we're insulting them, right? That doesn't make any sense. So we premise that long form copy and email would make more sense to an executive than short form, as long as they were able to make a fast decision on a yes or no to learn more early on in the copy. So we built in psychological triggers where most copywriters spend a lot of time is on trust and credibility. You have to have it. Everybody that's in business probably has that unless they're just starting off brand new. And then if they don't have it, they can still leverage it. There's lots of ways to leverage trust and credibility. So, but once you have those two, you have to talk to executive speak and executive speak is time, money, and risk. And if you don't talk in terms of time, money, and risk and how your solution solves that, then you're pretty much up a creek. 
And if you want to get a great conversation started with some of the hardest to reach people in the world, talk about time, money, and risk and how you solve their problems in that language. And you'll be very, very successful. Mm, I love that. You've really distilled this down to, they want to hear about time, money, and risk, but they also are showing up in a very different way in their email. So the majority of marketing out there for the mass market is all about building the trust, building the credibility. And it sounds like what you're talking about, it doesn't actually apply to this market. No, like most of what we do and everything we do is about engaging and interacting with an executive decision maker. So anything that's outside of that scope, and that's like a VP and above pretty much, you know, sometimes director and above in terms of title, any size organization. What we're most specifically great at is the C-suite. Like, how do you get and grab the attention of the C-suite? Sometimes all of them at once, right? Like we closed a deal with uh, NASDAQ. We engaged them with our own model and had eight executives all in a boardroom talking about us before we ever knew they were talking about us, right? And we ended up signing four contracts in 30 days from their first response, which is fantastic, but that's an ABM strategy, right? An account-based marketing strategy. And so there's a variety of ways to do it right? Methodologies. There's a ton of technologies and tools out there that sales teams are using, but there's also a ton of unknowns. Like, okay, I'm just talking about email, but campaigns don't work if you don't have the right data. And they also don't work if you don't know how deliverability works. And so where all three of these meet is where campaign magic happens. And so we've built our own technology stack. We've built our own email servers. We've built our own systems because you're going to get blocked into spam and you don't even know it like 60% of the time in Google or an outreach. So in order to get through just to be seen, and you don't even know if you're not being seen, usually in most cases, you need to understand that aspect of the business. And then the data side, you just got to be really careful with what data you're using. So we built in best practices to clean the data before it goes out to market. Because if you go out to market with bad data, guess what? You're spam blocked again. And now your domain's burnt and you can't send an email and none of your customers will get your email or things like that. So there's a whole bunch of variables that happen in a strategy that are just super nuanced. And look, we've been at this for 10 years, sent, you know, tens of millions of uh, emails and maybe hundreds of millions of emails at this point. And had tens of thousands of you know meetings set with executive members for our clients. And so in the process of doing that, what we've also learned is there's a bunch of uniquenesses on like how to handle the concept of building a real relationship. And I can get into a whole bit on that if you want to talk about it, but I'll kind of pause there. I would love to talk more about the building relationships, but something I just want to summarize is this is a really great way to be thinking about if you're hiring a company to take over your lead generation, some of the things that you need to be looking for specifically around, it sounds like you're doing LinkedIn and cold email. Is still yeah. LinkedIn or no, mostly no. mostly cold email? I'll email now. And okay. uh, LinkedIn's involved as a profile. Like an optimized profile is really powerful. In fact, a non-optimized profile can kill your campaign, right? So like just get your LinkedIn profiles optimized if you know what that means. Like make it look good. That's the bottom right. line. Like if it doesn't, then that can destroy a campaign by itself. Right. So what I'm hearing is these are the success criteria you need to have to be able to do cold email effectively to executives. So first of all, you need to have deliverability, right? And you have developed a way that you can safeguard against being blocked and making sure the data is clean so that you're not putting into the spam filters and 
like you were saying with LinkedIn, making sure that your profile is actually landing for your target market. So what I'm hearing is a really good criteria. If anyone listening here is identifying a good cold email provider, because you're obviously not offering cold emails, a piece of what you're doing. You're actually generating high quality appointments for executives, but there's a sea of competitors out there that are absolute garbage, right? And there's a lot of bad stuff out there. (laughs) So I think that it's important to listen to what you're saying, Nathan, because you're actually showing how what you're doing is different than the 10 cold emails a day that you get from people reaching out and saying that they'll generate leads for you. Well, and look, there's kind of a bunch of tiers and your price points will typically align to some of those tiers, right? And going cheap doesn't necessarily mean you're safe. So like, for example, most people don't understand what compliance is required to do email marketing legally and the right way. And if you outsource that incorrectly, I mean, we spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just on legal compliance. Like the GDPR compliance, if you market to Europe is out of this world. If you market to Canada or Germany, you might as well just fold your company. Like there's so many costs to it, right? And understanding all the traps and like, you know, there's companies now that have been fined over a million dollars for sending a single email, right? Like think about that, like that can crush a business. And by the way, if you outsource it, you're the one liable, not the outsource company. So like if it comes from you, so is there's so many risks in understanding what compliance is required. And then that doesn't even count. Like a lot of companies don't use um, lead generation from the marketing standpoint. They use the technology tools out there. Like, that are out there for their sales team to just have full access to go kind of carte blanche to the market. Good Lord, that's the worst idea in the world, but it's what they do. And the reason for this is because the sales guys and gals need to be able to engage their market and and build rapport and prospect, right? So the tools are more accessible than ever before, but the control over their brand is so at risk. This probably doesn't apply to many of you if you're under a $10 million management consulting firm is probably not really applicable to you, but be conscious of it. Because if you are building out this complex sales process and you have a bunch of salespeople sending whatever message they want on any topic in any tone they want, like you might not be getting your contracts through to your clients and you can't figure out why your email is not getting delivered. Well, it's probably because of this group that's sending emails carte blanche and hurting your brand domain and deliverability. So there's just a bunch out there. So that's really interesting that you shared that because I think there's a lot of fear about outsourcing it to another company because you're concerned that it's actually going to hurt your brand more. And what you're saying is actually it has an ability to be able to protect your brand more than having individual salespeople on your team. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. So like if you don't control your message to the market, then and you're giving salespeople who are supposed to be selling, obviously most salespeople need a prospect and they need to do their own network and they need to do their thing, right? Mine do the same thing, but giving them access to the tools to control your brand to market is like giving a child a knife. <laughs> it's like, it's really just, that clearly is not ready to hold that knife. Like there's no brand integrity around it. There's no training around what they can and can't say. There's no rules about what they do and don't say, which is whatever they want. And obviously in the management consulting space, we have small teams typically, and I'm one of you guys, right? We have small sales teams in most cases, and we trust them. And so it's not that big of a deal for us. But 
it can be. And it only takes one big brand damage to really hurt a reputation. So just something to be conscious of, not something to like lose sleep over, but something to be conscious of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And most of our listeners, they have marketing companies, agencies, consulting companies in different spaces. And most of them are under 5 million and over low six figures. So, you know, looking at it from that perspective, like when is the right time to outsource your, maybe your lead generation, your business development? And at what point do you think that it makes more sense to have that in-house? I don't think it makes sense to have it in-house ever. It's not biased. It's just that there's such a moving target that if you can find a provider like us that can get you that consistent lead flow and can build the model flow out for you from the marketing all the way to the sales experience. And then your sales team can manage and control follow-up and nurturing and the network development and that sort of piece. I think that is really important in today's market. And there's the reason I say that isn't because I don't believe in the company should build it internally. It's just way more expensive. And if you look at what all the things that are involved in building a process like a really powerful lead generation engine for your own business is, right, you need to have a really great copywriter. Uh, You need to have a great data scientist. You need to have a great project manager. You need to have data entry people. That's just four, right? Then you need to have a campaign strategist, somebody that understands the strategy itself. And those are five roles that you're going to probably take your own time to do. That takes you out of your core competency, right? Just those five things. That doesn't count the data now that you have to go buy, the technology that you have to learn and figure out how to use, the compliance and deliverability specialties that you need to now adopt, the compliance side of the world, which is all the legal piece that you need to now get involved with. Like your time is gone. It's a full-time job for us. Like, what are you going to do? So my sense of it is, For the cost of one good employee, you can outsource the whole thing and get significant engagement with a company like ours Then do it. Why would you spend, you know, the half a million, a million is going to take you to really do it right. Can you hack it? Absolutely. But just know that hacking it's putting a lot of things in play for you. And if that's all that you're at and that's all you can do, then do it. Right. But if you can afford five, seventy five hundred, fifteen thousand dollars a month, then you can start getting 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 meetings you know, none of you need a hundred. No, no, you can handle it in this space, but we can all handle like five to 15 new meetings a month with our ideal buyer, right? Well, what's that worth to your business? Do the math and figure out like, look, if I'm getting a hundred meetings or 200 meetings a year and I don't have to think about it, they're just on my calendar. What's that worth? What am I willing to invest to put aside to make that a reality for me? Well, it's the cost of one good employee, right? So if you think about it that way, it's way cheaper and way less risky. And you can get guarantees in most cases like we offer to make something like that a reality. So mm-hmm. is that? Well, here's the other side of this too, that I have actually found myself is that I can do this work. I'm really good at it. But what happens is that you get a campaign working really well for about three to six months, the market shifts and you have to change your message. And then you have to go through the whole process again to figure that out. and that's one of the things that can make it very enticing to outsource it to a company that actually is really good at it. What I'm hoping is that people listening to this is if they're looking at outsourcing it, then they are really listening in for what are the success criteria so that they can find a company that actually is a good fit for them. And they're not, because there are new companies sprouting up every day that say, we can bring you these leads. And the reality is that it's much cheaper for them to bring on a new client 
than it is for them to actually follow through and do the work. And there's these companies all over the place that don't do very good work and they just blame it on the client in most cases is what I've seen. There's a big gap in, so COVID was a really eye-opener for us and I'll be very transparent with you guys. We give our client exactly who they ask for, interested in learning more about their business. Now, I want you guys to all hear this one. This one's super, super important. All of you are referral-based businesses, every one of you that are listening to this, right? To transfer from a referral-based business to a scale business with a consistent pipeline from people that don't know you yet is a different sales skill that you don't have today. You just don't have it. And we integrated that completely into our offering because the gap and the reason that people wouldn't stay wasn't because we didn't deliver on our promise. We always would deliver the 120 to 350 meetings or 60 meetings that they wanted year over year. Their ability to convert was really unique. And it's not just you guys. I won't name the firm, but a global financial services firm that has a bunch of software companies within it is a client of ours. In two years, we gave them 943 meetings with the exact executives they wanted to meet with. And they only closed five of them. Think about the context. Now, most of us in the sales space say, hey, that's impossible. Well, yeah, it's impossible, but it's not impossible if you don't follow up and you don't do the best practices that you need to do just to own the sales pipeline, right? And so in that case, it's easier for them to not do anything than to do something because the responsibility and accountability on conversion is going to make you look good or bad. And then you have to show up, right? So the thing that like a company like ours does to a company like yours in, in the management consulting space is it shines light on your true ability to articulate your value to the market. And I'm not saying sale, that is what you're doing, you're selling, but to articulate your value the right way to the market takes a skill set that a referral already has in place because of a reference, right? In this case, that little rapport gap doesn't exist. So that has to be learned. We've built a process that converts 30 to 50% of those time over time again but that's what we train on, but you need to learn that skill. So don't always blame the lead gen company or like we don't call ourselves lead gen, by the way. We consider ourselves an executive meeting setting company and we're in the business to help you build the relationships that build your business. And so if you also look at this in professional services, like, you know, I don't know if you work with law firms and CPA firms or not, Mandy, but like in those spaces, They know the game is about trust building and relationships, right? So that's an easy market that gets that already. Management consulting, when they hire their first marketing lead gen or demand gen company, you're like very tactically focused. And really a successful private equity firm once told me, he's like, if you look at a marketing and investment on a short-term basis, then you're kind of short-sighting your true value of what you're investing into. Here's what I mean. I close five deals a year of people that I've nurtured for two to three years consistently, right? Now that's worth to my company, you know, anywhere from $500,000 to a million bucks, right? For our organization. That's great. But that's business that was invested in two to three years ago that I've not, I never calculated into that ROI of that one investment. Most people calculate their investment and most of you probably are like, I want that three month pilot. Don't do that. Don't go hire a company and give them a three month pilot. I'm going to share one story if it's okay, Mandy, the one Mm -hmm. we talked about earlier. So you need a partner, okay? And you need a partner that you believe in their expertise, you believe in their content capability, and you believe in their ability to test and pivot, right? Because marketing is a game of testing and pivoting. It's not a, I know exactly what you're going to do. I'm going to win it in three months or you can fire me. Like I refuse to do that kind of a relationship. So what we do is 
we do a three-year contract, actually. We give a six-month, 12-month, and a 24-month opt-out, right? Cancellation option. But here's why we do it. I make you, and I. And this is your criteria for anyone you work with, guys, whether it's me or anyone, I don't care. But <laughs> if they believe they can deliver it for you in three months, the likelihood of you losing your money, I'd give you about a 90, 95% chance, okay, of whatever that pilot money investment is. Say it's 10, say it's 30,000, whatever you put into that, right? So- and there's a thousand companies that'll take that money from you, by the way, right? There's another thousand companies that will say, hey, we'll pay you on performance, right? So for every lead I give you, you give me X number of dollars, right? Those are, in my opinion, that is the worst relationship you can possibly set up. Now, you as a CEO and a management consultant firm that is like, hey, there's no risk to me. That's no problem. Okay, great. They also have no care in the world about giving you a lead or not, like, they may or they may not. If it's easy, then they'll do it. If it's not, then they won't. So you move on. And then you spend all this time, effort, and energy on your end investing into them learning your business so that they may or may not get you a lead. And then as soon as you start complaining about some of the leads, eh, we don't need to work with you. And they move on to the next one, right? That's not a partnership. So what you really want is you want a partner that's invested and understands your business understands your language, understands the psychology of your buyer, most important. It doesn't matter if they understand your business. If they understand the psychology of your buyer, that's the most important thing. And that they can get that buyer to take action and they can demonstrate that they've done it with others, right? So once you find that, what you need to understand is that the pivoting process to getting there, like if you've never cracked this code, I'll give you, I'm going to give you two quick stories if I have a minute still, Mandy. I don't know how much time we have here. Yeah. I I also wanted to talk more about conscious too. So yeah, so tell the stories and we can talk about another topic I wanted to get to as well. Okay, so quick stories. We had a management consultant in the kind of the finance investment banking space. And this gentleman had spent six years, never mastered getting his market on the phone, right? Like tried, tried every possible marketing venue, did the content thing, did the white paper, did the book, like started doing everything that the world says you should do. Right. But his buyer was a CEO, CFO, 5,000 plus size companies. So he's never done it. And he wanted us to first do the three month pilot. <laughs> no. So we gave him the structure where he said, look, we know that it's going to take six months, give or take a month or so to crack the code to your market. The first thing you need to get the answer to is what is the message, just the core message that you need to bring to the market that's going to get you to yes, get you to the meeting. Right. That took for this gentleman seven months. At six months, I'm getting a lot of F-bombs and a lot of cussing me out, saying this is ridiculous. We only have 35 meetings out of 120 guaranteed, 150 guaranteed meetings. And I said, okay, well, we're close and we're about to crack it. And there's a guarantee of this amount on the year. But if you leave it six months, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. I won't guarantee six months. I'll let you opt out, but I won't guarantee it, right? So the reason I do that is I know that your breakthrough is between months six and nine. I know this every time, hundreds, 300 clients, guys, the breakthrough is always month six to nine. It always happens. Sometimes earlier, occasionally, but not always, right? And so he cracks the code, 35 meetings. Guess what? Seventh month, we cracked the code. Two words we changed in the copy. Boom, the world changed for him. 50 meetings a month, nonstop of this huge successful market. Ended up with 374 leads, 272 meetings scheduled and 121 face-to-faces all in the first 12 months. That was an intense fire hose. We said, can we turn it down? He's like, no. <laughs> okay. So you should have turned it down a little, just FYI. But so another story was a lady, 
who started off as $600,000 consulting firm in the culture consulting space. And they had spent the last seven years and we were friends for two years. And I said, we can help you with this. She hired the sales guy that had the network, right? That didn't work out. They did the book. They did the podcast. They did all the different marketing venues. Now, those are really great vehicles, by the way, when you have access to a program like ours that can get direct to market. But just floundering out there in the open ocean, it's not as successful with that stuff. So I do endorse those activities. I just endorse them in combination with a direct engagement program like ours. And so they didn't have all that. So now they have these resources so we could leverage those. And we took them to market. And it took us the first seven months, same situation almost. The sixth month, because they totally trusted us, they had had about 18 meetings. That was it. Their guarantee was much smaller and a much smaller engagement, but they couldn't afford more given their size. And we cracked the code around the seventh month again. And they ended up getting around 20 to 35 meetings a month with CEOs only of companies that recently had a merger or acquisition. That was their only market. And guess what? That in combination with some prices adjustments and some looking at the market valuations and how they talked about their value in the first 12 months or nine months from March and COVID hit is when they launched to the end of the year, they made 1.1 million, right? And then they did 5 million this year. They'll end at 5 million roughly this year, their second year with us. So the point is, is that if you can fight through this little window of failure and understand that you're not after meetings out of the gate, you're after cracking the message code to market. And once you do that, scale is completely up to you. Then it's all focused on conversion strategy. That's the magic. Well, I love what you shared. And there's a couple of things I want to pull out. First of all, you know, you are spot on with getting the message to market and how incredibly important that is. And that's what's so difficult about marketing because you're planting a seed, you're watering it, and you don't know if it's going to spread out or not. It will if you continue to nurture that message and, and look at the feedback and look at the numbers and, and keep on refining that with a solid strategy. But one of the things that I wanted to point out, just out of context, for listeners, I want to point out a number of things that, Nate, if you don't mind me doing some, Nathan, I'm going to be pointing out some things that Nathan is actually a very skilled salesperson. And he's put together a really good offer. And we put together client success maps with our clients to help them be able to create really solid offers that are easier to sell and that actually sets you up to be able to deliver it. And like you're saying, going from like these ridiculous 90-day pilot things to in actually having partnerships for multiple years, right? So you're modeling that. And one of the things that I really am enjoying about what you were sharing was that you are already seeding that it's going to take six to nine months to see success. So the kinds of people who need to see success, like in a month, like they're not going to reach out to you, right? The kinds of people who are like, well, I thought it was going to take three to six months, but he's saying six to nine months. All right, I'll go with that. Like those kind of people, you've adjusted their mindset around it. So now they're going to come in and you have set successful criteria for how you can actually have an engagement that will work, right? right? And you've taken the time to go through and look at the data to see what are the variables we need to have in place to be successful? Yeah. And you're communicating that. And when you're communicating that, what I'm hoping everyone here is like to hear this, the amount of certainty he knows he can generate these results. He knows it so much that he can put a guarantee on it because you have done the work to understand these are the types of clients that we 
work with under these conditions. This is how we get results. And this is who we work with. This is who we absolutely do not work with. I have a feeling the guy who cussed you out, you probably wouldn't work with another client kind of like that. (laughs) But it's it's data, it's feedback, it's contrast. So you now know, oh, okay, that's not going to work for us, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I just love that you shared that context because really looking at your offer in that deeper way is the key to being able to communicate it with such strong conviction like you just did. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And it's really understanding how I'm in my client's world. Like, I don't care if I make money on this. I want you to win. And everything that I do in my contract is to align to you winning. That's it. Like, and the more that we can all be in that same alignment. If you look at most of the contracts and most of the way that most of the deals are structured out in the market and around the demand gen space, even the content marketing space, it's only fee-based, right? So like, there's no upside sharing to a, grander success. Like I want my companies to all my clients to make a billion dollars as fast as humanly possible. Can I help you do that? Like, so why? Because I want to, you were about to bring up Mandy, you know, our mission is to accelerate the growth of conscious and transformational companies in the world. Like I want these companies that are conscious and transformational to have a much bigger impact so that I can help transform the world through them. Right? Like that's my goal. That's my wife's and I's goal. We we love that. Like we want to be the company that's standing at the top of the mountain, helping other people get to it. You know, like that's what we want to be able to do is lift people up and lift those companies up. So it's fun. Yeah. One of the things we had talked about before we pushed record is um, you shared the phrase being conscious is good for business. What do you mean by that? (laughs) So our fastest success clients are already clearly conscious, like by far and away. We do some pro bono work with nonprofits that are in, you know, and really special to us for a variety of reasons. They're all about just being conscious. And so we build them a strategy and then like explode them with, you know, enterprise marketing opportunities that they never knew was even possible. Like, you know, we have some people in the renewable energy space. We have a client just launched five days ago. He just closed his first client today. Like, I'm like, holy cow, like that's unbelievable. It's like ridiculously fast. He's like, yeah, that was really fast. And it's like a six figure client. So it's not like a small deal. So when you're conscious and when you're clearly aligned to doing good, people want to do good with you. They want to be a part of that. They want to feel that. And so we only want to work with people like that. And that makes our business easier to work and it makes us easier to win for our clients. And if our clients are like, you know, there's bubble companies. I call them like the tech companies that are like, they're just, they're doing their tech thing, right? Well, you can still be conscious with your people. You can still have an environment of massive consciousness. You can still like, there's so many ways to be conscious and impactful to the community and the world that we serve. Like not always the, you know, Tom shoes, I'm going to give a pair of shoes to a kid in, in Africa for everyone you buy or whatever theirs is. Like it's not retail. We don't work with retail really. So in the business to business community, and especially as a management consulting firm or professional services that you are that are listening to this, like, what is your give back? What's your contribution? What's your engagement with the community? It doesn't have to be like transform the world, but maybe it's just to transform your team, right? That's so conscious, right? That's totally cool. Like we'll work with uh, a company that does water cleaning, <laughs> like they clean water for, that's their business. I had a company that cleaned almonds. They created an organic almond machine that that was cost a million dollars. I didn't even know this existed. Right. So like, what are they doing? They're bringing less chemicals to the world. They're trying to make people healthier through their 
technology. That's cool. That's great stuff. Mm -hmm. So any way that we can do that, that's our mission. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we look at on the conscious side is, is there some kind of cause that they're supporting? And I find that that elevates your whole team because what that looks like is how inspired is your team to just make you richer? Well, they're they're not inspired at all, right? They want their time to mean something. And anything we've learned from COVID and people leaving and going and finding opportunities is they want their time. They want their life to mean something. So Mm -hmm. when you do that, you could really call in the right kind of conscious people that want to be part of what you're building. So thank you for sharing that, Nathan. And thank you for sharing all of this wonderful advice that you've even sharing here and that to model one. I mean, I really enjoyed hearing all the ways that all the strategies for how you're generating results for your clients. But I find it really interesting to hear how you're presenting your offer and you have have really taken the right steps to be able to scale your consulting company and your agency. This is exactly what we teach at Hands Off CEO. So I love having you on here because you're just such a great role model for our listeners to follow. So where can people find you, Nathan? Yeah, you can connect with me on any social channel. I monitor those or you know, LinkedIn, obviously, but I'm tapped out on connections. So, which is quite a few, but you can also just do our contact form at Link Strategies or email me at nateK at linkstrategies.com. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nate, for being on the podcast. And it really has been a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me, Mandy. Appreciate you.